0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, if you've been following this sermon series on authority and obedience in the church, it should hopefully be clear by now that it is not Catholic teaching that we are supposed to just lock, stock, and barrel, pay, pray, and obey to be a good Catholic. There's a lot more to it than that obedience is an important virtue it deflects our own prideful self-importance by mortifying our tendency to trust in our own self-fulfillment it is necessary for good order in societies as various as the home and the convent to the government and the military but it is not itself absolute there is a hierarchy of virtues and when the common good or the good of another is at stake justice and charity take precedence over obedience now we can't just obey whatever we want when and how we want I mean the life of the church as a communion would be undone by private judgment and disobedience to the life-giving law vivified by the Spirit that undergirds all of our disciplines. It is true that just as distortions and exaggerations about the clergy and the papacy in Catholic culture have created dynamics that make their own problems, there have been distortions and exaggerations about the role of authority and obedience in christian discipleship now we live in an age today in which people are extremely skeptical about surrendering any sense of their own judgment to anyone the whole idea that at any level of society or the church there are superiors or inferiors is rejected by some christians as inimical to the equality of believers in the gospel At the same time, there is a renewed appreciation of honest dialogue, transparent communication, and respect for legitimate diversity within the boundaries of a specific mission. These are things that are best practices for business, and they also produce good fruits within the church as well. There is a great sense that seems to be building among Christians that a blind obedience to authority produces an immature psychological profile that can be manipulated by unscrupulous people for nefarious ends. Now this is a consciousness that has been growing in the church particularly since the Second World War because of what people kind of saw and woke up to after the bodies were buried in the smoke was clear. At the Nuremberg trials, Nazi soldiers who gasped Jews by the millions just argued that they were following orders. That's changed uh, the way a lot of people understand what it means to follow orders. A mature Christian has to be childlike, not childish. And many theologians and lay people within the church have argued that authentic Christian discipleship cannot thrive in a vacuum where obedience has no reference point in justice or love. In the years after the social upheavals of the 1960s, think about men and women religious, right? They went through a painful process that is still ongoing, of revisiting their charisms and their constitutions to enshrine a new appreciation of forgotten truths about the freedom of the children of God. In the meantime, of course, many priests and nuns abandon their vocation entirely. And others have overcorrected, perhaps, by dissolving their religious life to such an extent that they look and act like glorified social workers more than brides and apostles of Jesus Christ. Many Christians are seeing that an immature attitude towards authority and obedience in the church risks creating a climate where sexual, physical, and emotional abuse and cover-ups of it flourished. And as much as some want to say that the Catholic Church is not unique in this regard and that abuse and cover-ups exist in every aspect of society and in every religion, I tell you, one anywhere is too many. We cannot nurture a safe environment where all of God's children of any age are respected and at the same time turn a blind eye to how abuse of authority and obedience enables a corruption which harms people's lives and then compromises the mission of the church. Now, it is true, progress is being made on these fronts. Long-standing taboos about even talking about these painful things are thrown into the garbage dump where they belong. But that doesn't mean that many of our leaders yet grasp just how much the Catholic faithful have been profoundly scandalized and are seriously skeptical and mistrustful. They've seen too much. They know too much. Now as Catholics, we are bound to preach the truth from the rooftops, in season and out of season. But until we get our own house in order and become credible witnesses to the love that moves mountains, we just expose the church to ridicule. No amount of strong-arming the people of God by coercive and manipulative calls to obedience to authority is going to magically restore trust and faith. When the patriarch Noah got all drunk out of his head one night as a senile old man, His sons, the book of Genesis tells us, covered up his father's nakedness to not expose him to shame. That tendency to self-preservation and denial is, well, perhaps a natural human reaction. But when it is not checked by accountability, truth, and humility, it's a recipe for disaster. In the Catholic Church today, we have seen so many financial and personal scandals with people from the Vatican down to lay people in parishes, and everything and everybody in between. Now, I deliberately try to avoid highlighting these things for fear of damaging people's faith when it is weak i mean after all it's my job that you pay me the big bucks for to strengthen your faith not to shipwreck it right but the more that i see the kind of interesting and sometimes horrifying things that are going on in the church around us i've realized something very beautiful and profound if the devil is fighting us this hard That's because as a church, there's so much truth, so much goodness and so much beauty that he has to show out in order to cause us to despair. That means that there is good truth and beauty in spades within the church. And sometimes it's lived in heroic but simple ways But it is there. That is the reason all of this craziness is happening, because of the good. For me, the crisis in the church has convinced me even more of the divine origin of the church. As the writer Hilaire Belloc stated, the Catholic Church is an institution I am bound to hold divine. But for unbelievers, a proof of its divinity might be found in the fact that no merely human institution conducted with such knavish imbecility would have lasted a fortnight. And isn't that the gospel truth? We are witnessing in our own time churchmen who twist words, even the word of God itself, to mean the opposite of what they mean who destroy legitimate diversity within the tradition under the pretext of encouraging unity and fending off schism. Who forbid what has always been permitted and straight up lie about the goodness of those things while permitting those things that have always been forbidden, while pretending that what is evil is actually good. Who accuse Catholics of disloyalty and rebellion For refusing to acknowledge power-hungry money grabs is consistent with the joy of the gospel. Robert Cardinal Sara recently commented, we are hearing a great cacophony from priests and bishops. Everyone wants to impose their personal opinion as truth, but there is only one truth, Christ and his teaching. Now Cardinal Sara was talking about the cacophony from priests and bishops, but that same noisiness, right? It's lay people as well. They've all fallen into the trap. I've fallen into the same trap at times. It's Christ and His church that matters. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of everlasting life. If you are tempted to let all of the craziness that goes on around you cause you to leave Christ. Just don't. Don't let them get between you and your Jesus. Because it is Christ and His truth which is the solid foundation of the entire world. Now, all of this reminds me of a famous film from 1944 called Gaslight. In it, a young woman named Paula, who is traumatized by the death of her Aunt Alice, is whisked off her feet by the charismatic Gregory, who marries her after a two-week courtship. Gregory isolates her from the outside world, claiming he's doing it for her own good. In reality, he's just messing with her head. He steals things from her and claims she was just forgetful. She takes a picture off the wall and claims she did it. He turns the gas lights outside of the house off and on repeatedly and tells her she's seeing things. Little by little, like a dripping faucet, he convinces her that she's crazy so that she will turn over to him, power of attorney, so he can get her money faster. Only an inspector who stumbles across the abuse succeeds in restoring to Paula a sense of her own sanity. And Paula ends the abuse herself in a stunning fashion, and there will not be a spoiler alert. You'll have to watch the movie yourself. I don't know about you, but there are days in which I truly feel in my heart of hearts, like the entire Catholic Church is going through an episode of gaslighting. Now I'm not going to sit here and encourage crazy conspiracy theories and call out people by name for doing X, Y, and Z. But we cannot be like ostriches with our head in the sand. There is an epic struggle like that of Jacob wrestling into the night with an angel who dislocates his hip. There is a titanic battle for the soul of our faith going on and it is a fight against powers and principalities it's not just the forces of this world true authority true obedience and true virtue are the only ways the bark of Peter can stay afloat and not capsize but we remember the Lord gave us a promise and the Lord is always good on his promises that the gates of hell will never prevail against the church. That promise doesn't come from me, don't believe me. It comes from our Lord himself, and he knows what he is about. Now when Pope Paul VI can claim the smoke of Satan has entered the temple of God and you smell sulfur around you, you may think, can I really believe that? Yes, you can, because the Lord said it. And he is good on his promises. Sometimes people will come to me and they're like, are you not worried about everything? And I say, eh, no. I try not to be. Well, but how? But, but this, that, and the other thing. Stop. Stop. Just stop. Because the Lord Jesus, from the wood of the cross, conquered the world. And we know how the story of good versus evil ends. In Second Thessalonians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul gives us a sense of what is actually happening right now right today, right before our very eyes. But he also tells us where we are in all of this and where we should be with our hearts in all this. So listen up. Let no one deceive you in any way. For that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called god or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan, with all power and false signs and wonders, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved therefore God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness but we ought always to give thanks to God for you Brothers beloved by the Lord because God chose you. As the first fruits to be saved. Through sanctification by the spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel. So that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then brothers. Stand firm. And hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and deed.